you would use him as a vessel this morning, Lord. Father God, as we open the word of God and as we hear it spoken, Lord, I pray that you would use it, Lord, to pierce our hearts, Lord. Father, I pray for the sinner, Lord, that is straight away from you, Lord. Maybe they've just lived with the way that they wanted to all this time. I pray that today, Lord, that they would come back to the fold, Lord, that you would bring them back to us, Lord, that they'd rededicate their lives, Lord, that they would start serving Jesus and making him the center of their life. Father, I pray for the one that maybe has a stronghold in their marriage this morning, Lord. Maybe it seems like that they can't get victory, Lord, because they don't have Jesus in the center of it. I pray that this morning, Lord, you would heal them. Father, I pray for the sinner, Lord, that has never accepted you as their personal Savior, Lord. Whether they be in this room, Lord, or they see the video that, uh, that we put out every week, Lord, I pray that you would use this message this morning, Lord, to speak to them and that they would give their heart and their life to Jesus, Lord. Father, I pray for your will to be done in our service, Lord. As I said earlier, Lord, I pray that we have revival, Lord, not for the sake of having a service called a revival, Lord, but we have a true revival, Lord, where you revive your people's hearts, where we start focusing on souls, Lord, we start focusing on the kingdom of God. As things look bleak, Lord, that's when you work. And that's what we pray today, Lord, that you would work, that you would change our lives, Lord, that you would use these people, Lord, to revive your nation so we could turn our, our eyes back to Jesus. Use us this morning, Lord. We pray for your honor and your glory to be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you for such a wonderful time of worship. Hope y'all don't mind if I stay down here. I don't, uh, I don't know that I need to stand in the same pulpit that Brother Marvin does because he's such a righteous, holy man, and I respect and honor him. Sorry that he's not feeling well today. And uh, we're going to pray that he gets back. Amen. If you're going to pray for him, can I see your hand? Just wave at me. All right, I don't lie. If you raise your hand, waved at me. I trust you to do that. I want to start out by telling you just this morning, I just thought of this a moment ago, about a true story that I read some time ago. It ran in the Chicago Tribune. And it goes like this uh, in the story. The man was walking down the street in the windy city of Chicago, and his hat blew off of his head. And in his attempt to retrieve his hat, he went out into the lanes of the oncoming traffic where he was struck by an automobile and killed. The reporter writes in the story how he overheard a bystander in the crowd make this statement. Isn't it crazy how some people are willing to risk everything chasing nothing? End of quote. Nothing could be more true than that statement. For the Bible says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? but to lose his soul. You see, if every dream you've ever had, if you reach every goal that you've ever set becomes a reality, if the essence of who you are can be measured in dollars and cents, my friend, you're a pauper. You're a loser. For only he that knows the reality of Jesus Christ in his personal life will have eternal life. Everything else is wood, hay, and stubble. Everything else is temporary. And when I received a phone call this morning, 
from Miss Diane. Uh, on Sunday mornings, I typically turn my phone off. I, I clear my text messages and phone calls from the week and clear my phone, turn it off, let it reboot. They tell me I'm supposed to do that. I, believe me, I am technology illiterate. But they, my secretary told me you need to do that about once a week. And so I usually do it early Sunday morning. And when I turned it back on, it started dinging and text messages and phone calls. And I saw where I'd missed Miss Diane's call. And I called her back and she explained to me that Brother Marvin was not feeling well and wanted to know if I would be able to come share the word with you this morning. And I think he's just trying to outdo me because one time on about five hours notice he had to preach for me and here he gave me an hour and 15 minutes. But uh, as I jumped in the truck from that phone call to run around to the barn to tend to the horses and cube the steers and that kind of stuff, I was praying and thinking, Lord, what would you have me to share with Bethany Baptist this morning? And through a process of thoughts and the Lord took me to the 23rd Psalms. Very familiar passage. Most of you know it as good or better than me and can explain it as good or better than me. But this is what I feel like the Lord would have me to encourage the body of Christ with this morning because as I look around, and I'm sure Pastor Marvin has talked to you about this because pastors all across the country for the last year have been trying to encourage the body of Christ. You know, we read of the famines and plagues and stuff in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, but most of us, as I look around this room, we weren't here for the Great Depression. We weren't here for the Dust Bowl. Some of you possibly could have been. And so this is probably one of the first national pandemics, hours of trial that most of us have faced. And myself, along with most pastors, have been asked the question, what's going on? Is this from God or is this an attack of the devil? Most of us don't really have the answer to that. We know God has used plagues in the past and famines. He's actually sent them ten times in the book of Exodus, if you want to read that. And I do know this, that during this pandemic, that the church has been refined, so to speak. I think a lot of what's happening is there's the sifting of the wheat and tares. There's a sorting of the sheep and the goats. I believe everything that can be shaken is being shaken. How about you? Are you being shaken? Are you standing strong in the might and the power of the Lord? But I, I couple all of that with what I'm seeing and questions I'm being asked with what I know the Word of God to say about pertaining to the end times where he said perilous times would exist. While you're in this world, you'll have tribulations. But be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. And we've been given the warnings to stand strong, keep our focus where it needs to be on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We know that he will not put any of us in circumstances or situations that is beyond our ability to handle with his help. We know that nothing that comes along in life, even if it's sent straight from the powers of darkness, can overcome it. How do I know that? Because God's word said so. 
Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That's not just a cliche to say to sound spiritual. That's a fact of reality that if I am walking in tune with God, with an ear to hear what the Spirit says, I don't have to fear. I don't have to worry, just as this song was saying a moment ago, because I know in whom I believe. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him. Are you persuaded? You see, being persuaded of the reality of the power of the word of God is paramount in your Christian walk with the Lord. You've got to be at a place where you know this is God's wishes, this is God's plan, this is God's power, this is God's purposes, and he watches over his word to perform it. So regardless what you read in the papers or see on the media or on Wall Street or what the anxiety and stress and fear that's going on, we shall not be shaken if we're rooted and grounded in him. We'll be like a tree that's planted by the waters and our leaf will not wither. I believe that in the time of adversity and trial that the church has always seen its greatest moment. I believe now can be no different than in the early church when they were being crucified and thrown to lions and yet they could not kill the will of God for none to be perished but all be saved. They could not kill the propagating of the message of hope and the love and the forgiveness and the peace of God that surpasses understanding. They couldn't stomp it out. They couldn't crucify it out. They couldn't burn them out. They couldn't throw them to the lines and eat them out. Times have not changed. God will have a remnant of people that will be convinced. And today I want to try to try, try my best to help encourage you, the body of Christ, to remember. The Bible tells us to put each other in remembrance of the things that we ought to do. And I want to encourage you today with this message, Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'd like to break this down in a few segments to where we can maybe get a little bit better grasp and clarity. Starts out with the words, the Lord is. That's a proclamation. It's a statement of fact whether you believe in him or not, whether you acknowledge that there is a God or not, does not change the fact that he is. In fact, there's a holiday dedicated directly to people that say there is no God, and it's called April Fool's Day. We're about to celebrate that here in a few weeks because the Word says that the fool has said in his heart there is no God. 
But I want you to understand wherever your thought process is on that does not change the fact that he is. Scripture declares that if any man would be in Christ, he must believe that he is and what? And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. How does he reward those that diligently seek him? Well, let's look. Next phrase it says is, my shepherd. That speaks of relationship. That speaks of being intimate and that he is your personal savior. That you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. That you've embraced the work of Calvary, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only one through whom we must be saved. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Research it for yourself, but there's easily over 2,000 religions in the world. And all of them are based upon philosophical prepositions except four. Four of them are based upon a person. Of those four, only one has an empty tomb. That ought to make you shout. That ought to make you shout. Only one laid his life down and only one raised it up. Only one before he ascended, descended into the regions of the damned where he fulfilled a Bible prophecy over in Genesis where it talked about the Redeemer, how he would bruise his heel on the serpent's head. Now, I don't know exactly how it transpired. I don't know exactly how it happened, but I don't believe that Jesus approached the devil down there and is it okay for me to walk a little bit? I don't know about that camera. I don't believe Jesus walked up to the devil and said, may I please have those keys? No. Scripture says he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave away from Satan. I don't know if he body slammed him or what, but I do know he fulfilled that scripture when he bruised his heel on the devil's head. And he walked out of that place holding the keys Death, hell, and the grave. Hallelujah. We celebrate that. We'll soon be celebrating the Resurrection Sunday here in a few weeks. And you need to be gearing yourself up to make that a special day in your, the lives of your family and your friends and realize the importance and the significance that you have to play in the role of the spreading of the gospel. I need to stop here for just a moment. 78%, this is pre-COVID, the information I'm about to give you. What time I need to be through? Somebody tell me something. 9.30, I'll be through about 10. No, pre-COVID, statistics bear out that 78% of all churches, of all denominations, were declining in church attendance fulfills the scripture about a great falling away, doesn't it? Keep in mind, all denominations are included in this survey. Of the remaining 22%, 19% of those were status quo in their attendance based on people coming from other churches. Now, if you're doing the math with me, that leaves 3% of all churches of all denominations that were growing the way it was intended to grow, and that was through the conversion of the lost. What has happened? Why? 
I believe that it's because we, the body of Christ, we, the people of God, have lost the urgency of the hour. We've ceased to remember the great commission of going into the highways and byways and compelling people to come to Christ. We have allowed ourselves to bleed out because our eyes have been gouged out and we've quit looking under the fields that are white under harvest. Our arms have been amputated and we've quit reaching out to the broken, the hurting, the wounded, the lost, the undone. Our legs have been amputated. We've quit going to them. And thus, the house that we call the church, which is not the church at all, it's the people that is the church of God. We have allowed ourselves to become entangled with the cares of life. We've allowed ourselves to get so busy that we give God what time we can instead of making him a priority in our life. And thus, the lost, the broken, the hurting, the wounded, the addicted, they quit seeing people that live by example a sermon that would make them want this Jesus that they say they serve. I want to admonish you as a body of Christ today. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to just say to you today, we need to shake ourselves to the core. And we need to remember that the Lord himself said, I would that none should perish, but that all should pass from death into the light. He's called us all to be a witness. We can't be a witness unless we've experienced him ourselves. See, they don't allow hearsay. They don't allow secondhand testimony in the courts and the laws of the United States of America. And spiritually speaking, we have to be an eyewitness, personally experienced the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can be an effective witness. Is he your personal savior? Next it said, I shall not want. That speaks of supply. Now I'm going to upset some of your doctrine and theology here probably, but I'm going to clarify it. Most of the time when I talk to young Christians, I might ask them, well, what's your favorite scripture? And many of them say, Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. I got news for you, don't say that. You go read the fourth chapter of Philippians. Paul is addressing the, the Philippian church. And he is telling them that when I began this ministry, you and you alone gave unto my needs. Not just once, but multiple times. And because of your sowing into the kingdom, because of your willingness to help spread the gospel because of your willingness to help reach and snatch those from the clutches of hell into the ark of safety of God. Because of your willingness to do that, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. You see, they'd been sowers. They'd been givers. Are you? He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. That speaks of rest or peace. We're talking about the troubled times in which we live and so many of the questions that we don't have answers for other than the fact that we know that, I know that Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there is no other. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He gives us peace beyond 
our understanding in the middle of our storms when we walk in that intimacy that we're talking about. He leadeth me beside still waters. That speaks of refreshment. Didn't he tell the woman at the well, that Samaritan woman, that if you'll drink of these waters that I have to give of you, you'll never thirst again? To go back to when I first started, my shepherd. You see, if he's my shepherd, if he's your shepherd, everything we're talking about here applies to you. But if you're not a child of God, the rest of this verse does not apply to you. You're on your own. He restoreth my soul. That speaks of healing or the encouragement that comes from being in his presence. For in his presence there's fullness of joy and at his right hand there's peace forevermore. No matter what you're going through, no matter what life has thrown at you, You need to encourage yourself in the Lord because he will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He will not fail you. Now don't raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass you. I used to be one of those people that believed that there, there's nothing that God can't do. But I learned I was wrong. According to Scripture, it says that he cannot lie. <laughs> and he cannot fail. That's the two things that God can't do. He cannot lie, and he cannot fail. Well, this word that we read from is his word, and he does not lie. He watches over his word to perform it. Did you know his word says this, that the eyes of the Lord will go to and fro among his people throughout the whole earth, looking for someone that will let him show themselves mighty and strong upon their behalf. Will you let him? Why is it that we have so much trouble believing that God can save us, but that we don't think he can deliver us from a habit? Why is it that we believe that he not only can save our soul eternally, but that he can't help me get a job or find the right mate? Why is it that we have allowed ourselves to slip, slip into that state of mind that, well, I know God can, but he won't? We've got to get back to the place where we remind ourselves, the Lord's watching over my life. He cares about the little things. He cares about the big things because he cares about everything in my life. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. That's guidance. Man, don't you love it when you know you've heard God on a particular issue? You can throw your chest out, hold your chin up, and you can strike out because you've heard God. Well, I want you to understand something. The steps of the righteous man are ordered of God. Until you've heard God, be still. Don't take off on your own doing something because a lot of people say, well, just... It looks like God, it's, it smells like God, it, it sounds like God, just get going. And if it's not him, he'll shut the door. Yeah, and you'll get a bloody nose. Hadn't you rather just wait on the Lord, hear his marching orders, strike out in that direction, not have to worry about getting a bloody nose? Because you know that you're walking 
in his will. For his name's sake. That's purpose. Scripture tells us that whatever our hands find to do, do it with all of our might unto the Lord. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that speaks of testing and trials. You see, the wilderness experience, when Jesus was baptized and we heard those words from John, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world, and the, the dove descending, and the voice from heaven, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. What's the very next thing that happens? He's taken by the Spirit, into the wilderness to be tested, to be tempted. You see, we have to remind ourselves that while he was fully God and clothed in flesh, he was fully man. He was tempted and tried and trials in all ways that you and I are, yet he remained faithful, he remained sinless, so that when it came time to go to Calvary, that sinless, pristine blood was worthy to receive, redeem sinful man back to holy God. And in your times of testing and trials, he'll be faithful and give you the power to stand strong. It says, I will fear no evil. That speaks of protection. Or in Psalms it says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and there they are safe. As children of God, it's important that we know when to retreat into his presence and when to advance with his presence. But there's a time to go forth, like in the song a while ago, declaring unto Goliath the victory before he ever threw the stone. David knew in his heart there was no way that uncircumcised Philistine champion was about to defeat him because he was coming to him in the name of the Lord and he was equipped and clothed with the anointing of God upon his life to cause him to be able to do things that otherwise he would be unable to do. For thou art with me. Here's one of the things that we as Christians say with our mouth, but in our heart we really don't believe sometimes. And it's simply this. God, where are you? He sticketh closer than a brother. He's a friend all the way to the end. Don't forget the faithfulness of God. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That speaks of correction and protection. Discipline. The Lord chastens those whom he loves and sometimes a little pruning here and a little discipline there doesn't always feel good, but he's doing it because we, he loves us. And more parents need to learn. Oh, I'm going to meddling now. But more parents need to learn that if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. I want you to understand that, mm, I better not go there. Spoil stuff ain't good for nothing. Train up that child in the way that he should go. If time out works on that child, okay, but there are most of them that doesn't work. There's somehow seemingly a direct connection between this and this that will get their attention. I, my sister, she got into that one, two, and that child learned that I better not let her say three. And I told her one day, I said, Diane, whether you realize it or not, you're teaching that child 
to rebel against authority. You're teaching that child that it's okay to not listen when you say don't do that or to do such and such time and time again and, and they know you don't mean anything until you start saying one, two. And you see, they're going to take that into school and into the workplace. And they're going to expect that boss to start one, two, three and they're not going to do it. They're going to tell you something and hit the highway, Jack. So if you really love your child, train them up in the way they should go. Discipline them. Teach them to respect authority. And most of all, teach them that the Word of God says for them to respect authority and those that are over them. Somebody should have said amen. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. That speaks of the hope that we have in God. And I'm going to wrap this up pretty shortly. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. That's hope. You remember when they came to Jehoshaphat and they told him about all the surrounding armies that had been hired against them? And he looks, and in the natural it seemed impossible. And he made that statement that Christians have become so familiar with that we use it as a religious saying without embracing the reality and the power of it, and it was this. Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. When you don't know what to do, keep your focus on the one that does know what to do because he's not only the author, but he's the finisher of your faith. Thou anointest my head with oil. That's consecration. That's a place of honor. He exalts the humble. My cup runneth over. That speaks of the abundance that God will give unto us. This one is pertaining to your giving financially. It says, give and it shall be given unto you. We don't usually quote the rest of that. It says, Given it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will I open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you that you're unable to contain. Now, your country folk, you ought to understand that verse about being pressed down, shaken together. How many of you ever stopped on the side of the road to buy a bushel of peas and they got them all fluffed up? And when you shake them a little bit and bump them on the ground, they drop that much. Lord said, I ain't going to fluff them up. I'm going to shake them together, press them down, running over while I open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that you're unable to contain. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy. Make sure you understand the difference in grace and mercy. mercy. God's grace is his giving us something that we don't deserve such as salvation. And there are others. His mercy is his not giving us what we do deserve. And I know Dennis Thompson and Dennis Aaron, we need a lot of mercy. We we need a lot of him not giving us what we deserve. And thank God, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life as a child of God who's walking in relationship with him. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. That's security for eternity, forever. 
eternity, for in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So think about it this way, and I'll close. You want to come up, uh, Jonathan? The Lord leadeth me. He's out front. Stay with the picture. He's out front. Thy rod and thy staff, they're on my left hand and my right hand for correction and for protection. He anoints my head, so he's over me. Goodness and mercy behind me, following me. His spirit dwelling in me. What do I have to fear? What do I have to worry about with him out front, beside me, over me, behind me, and in me? The answer to that is simply this. Nothing. Nothing. Would you bow your head for just a moment? I felt like the Lord wanted me to encourage you, to remind you of this great God that we serve. If you're in this house and the pressures and trials and stresses and strains of life have been weighing heavily upon you and you've felt at times it was too much to carry. You needed to be reminded today of the 23rd Psalm. We usually hear it at funerals. But today, you recognize and embrace afresh the goodness of God, the might of God, the power of God, the provisions of God, the peace of God that surpasses understanding. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray for you right where you sit. I'm not going to ask anything else of you in that area. Anybody who said, Dennis, I need you to pray for me. This load's been heavy. I've been carrying it along by myself. Anyone that'll say, that's me, Dennis. Okay. You're in this house today. You heard the word that the Lord is my shepherd. But you can't say that. You'd like to ask Jesus to come into your life to save your soul. Let heaven be your home, but more, but as important as it is right now, to help you on this journey called life. Anyone here that's like that to you, say, Dennis, that's me. Could I just see your hand real quickly? Slip it up, slip it right back down. All right. Dennis Jonathan has already said to you, these altars are going to be open. Pastor Marvin has sent word that he would love for you to come and take a few moments to pray for a revival in the house of God and a move of God outside these walls in our families and our friends that we would finish strong for the kingdom these altars are going to be open for that I'll be here and be available to pray with you for any need that you have you come as the team sings a song for us
sorry When I've just gone through the motions I'm sorry When I just sing another song Take me back to where we started I open up my heart to you I'm sorry When I've come with my agenda I'm sorry When I forgot that you're enough Take me back to where we started I open up my heart to you Caught up in your presence I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy Oh